to Gardening with Angelo on News Radio WTAM 1100. Now your host, Angelo Fatini. Good morning, everyone. This is Noelle in for Angelo this morning. And um, for our last week of June, there's a lot to do out there. Um, the temperatures have been kind of uh, very, very fl- fluctuating, I should say. I know we were um, very, very hot on Father's Day, and then all of a sudden we had a cool down and um, quite a bit of rain here. So there's quite a bit to do out there, and hopefully um, in between the raindrops we can get out there and um, keep on gardening. Uh, for this week, uh, there's still time to put down step two, uh, which is your weed and feed product on the lawn. And you want to do that when... Um, in the morning it's the best time to apply make sure that there is dew on the lawn that product will stick to your broadleaf weeds and the lawn it won't hurt the lawn at all but what it does is it really takes down many of the the larger weeds that we have problems controlling like the dandelions um, larger plantain growth all those types of things so um, step two still plenty of time to put that down Um, the other thing that you want to look out for with all of the rain and then of course fluctuating humidity is the disease that can develop and um, a copper fungicide is a, a great way, it's a it's a natural way to take care and prevent some of the diseases that you'll see form. So, you know, we start to see mildews on cucumbers and squash, the tomatoes, the melons, the grapes, um, all those plants, even some of our flowering perennials like bee balm, um, hollyhocks, uh, tall flocks, peonies, those types of things, um, and even some of our annuals like the zinnias. So do watch out. It's always better to apply copper fungicide before you see the problem. If you if you know you're going to get there, um, most of the time we we do see um, you know the powdery mildews each year on plants like this. So if you can apply before, that's always great. And then if you can apply after rain and get it to dry on the plant, that's always going to be a good application of copper fungicide to take care of a lot of those disease issues for you. Now the other thing that we need to watch out for is Japanese beetles. Um, So they are going to emerge pretty soon here. So you're looking for those scout beetles. They're always the first ones to come out. Um, Look for them on plants like your roses, linden trees, fruit trees, any of your ornamental cherries or purple leaf plums or what have you, any anything in the fruit family is really going to attract them. And um, that's where we usually see the first sign. So look for those. And then when you start to see them, then it's a really good idea to, to place those beetle traps out. You want to put them in the back corner of your yard, um, away from your ornamental plants as best as possible in your garden. Keep them towards the back if you can, um, and that will be a really good deterrent and also, um, you know, draw them in. And then if you haven't put grub X down on your lawn, you want to do that as soon as you can, okay? And that's going to really prevent any of the larvae um, from really developing and, and again, turning into um, beetles and so forth. And then if you do see them, Um, There are many, many insecticides out there that you can use, um, eight being one of them. You can use Captain Jack's as well, and I know Angelo talks about that too. And they they both control beetles, but they control a little bit differently where 
8 has a little bit more of um, a longer window that is effective. So when you spray 8 on a plant to take care of Japanese beetles or other insects, it can stay with that plant for about a week. It also depends on rainfall, okay? So it's going to be shorter with rainfall, but it can stay with the plant a little bit longer. Captain Jack's is usually you see the bug, you spray the bug, it takes care of the bug, okay, but it doesn't last as long as um, an eight product would. So just so you're aware, if you have applied an annual tree and shrub protection uh, systemic, then you should be protected. So again, um, there's lots of different ways of controlling Japanese beetles. It just depends on, on how you prefer to control them. Out there, the crabgrass is also sprouting. Um, so again, it, on a on a drier day, of course, we'd be gone. Plus, crabgrass is a good uh, you know spot spray to use to control that in the lawn, and it will also, of course, control a lot of the other lawn weeds that are available are uh, out there, of course, and uh, growing strong with all of this um, rain out there. And then, um, if you do see crabgrass in your beds, you can use something like Roundup or Burnout. That's going to help control that. Just protect the other plants around uh, where that crabgrass is growing and um, that'll work out just fine. And a day like today when it's not raining and you can get out there and not compress the soil too much, but around in the garden, it's a great day to pull weeds, especially when it's been raining. Um, you know, the soil has loosened around the root system. So get out there and do a little pulling today and that'll, that'll help um, your task down the road as well. As far as tomatoes and the tomato family, I should say, if you're starting to see that black spot on the bottom of the fruit, that is called blossom end rot, okay? And um, it always happens at the, the blossom end or the bottom. And, and so it can affect peppers, it can affect eggplants, it can affect cucumbers, um, watermelon, all those, those types of um, edibles can get the blossom end rot. And it, it has to do a lot with lack of calcium in the soil so you can use lightning lime you can use gypsum you can apply that around the base of the plant um, water it in that will help boost that that calcium supply also there is a spray called uh, bonide rot stop and that helps give a quick um, digestible source of calcium for the plants. It feeds right through the plant foliage. Um, so that also can help. And just thorough, regular, even watering will also help. So lots of times we see uh, blossom end rot develop just because watering has been sort of erratic. The plant will go dry, then it'll get really wet, then it'll go really dry again. And so lots of times it has to do with um, your, your watering maintenance as well. And sometimes you can't help it, especially in a rainy season. Again, with all the rainfall, watch for slug damage out there. Um, we do get them, especially around hostas, plants that you wouldn't think, oh my gosh, the slugs are eating, you know, at the tops of these plants. You know, they can crawl up stems. You won't even notice them because they're very active in the evening and at night. And um, you have these holes in your leaves and you think, what did that, you know, how did that happen? And it can be slugs. Um, so most of your slug um, baits now are are iron phosphate. They work very well. You, you, of course, they're granular, so you just sprinkle a perimeter around that plant material.
material that they're affecting. And normally that'll work very well. You can use things like citrus rinds if you eat grapefruit, um, lemons, oranges. Put the rinds out there in the evening and they'll crawl into the rinds and in the morning you just collect those and throw those away so uh, that works very nicely as well Um, so do watch out for the slugs and then of course another thing that i've noticed in my yard is um, do change the water in your bird bath Um, you'll start to see that mosquito larvae will will start to form in standing water and it could just be a matter of days um, where you start to see that happen so do make sure you're changing your bird baths regularly anything that has standing water that doesn't have uh, running flowing water in it um, do make sure that you're emptying those areas out and then of course uh, applying new water And if it's standing water and you can't get to it, um, mosquito dunks work really, really well um, to, uh, of course, take care of the mosquito larvae and so forth, because we don't want that to develop either. Uh, One last thing that I wanted to mention, um, this week actually is National Pollinator Week. And it's just um, support out there, um, just making more awareness for um, the garden and plants that can really help the pollinators out there. And I just wanted to mention a few things things, a uh, few plants that work really, really well uh, for the pollinators. Um, uh, Annual-wise, we love lantana and the penta flower, verbena, and zinnias. Those four plants annual-wise work really, really well to attract all different types of pollinators, your hummingbirds, your butterflies, your your bees, um, and they, they are filled with nectar, they're filled with pollen, and, and so they're really, really great plants. Perennial-wise out there, look for things like hollyhocks, butterfly weed. Butterfly weed is just starting to bloom and really develop for us. The Red Hot Poker, they look awesome this year, and they, they do a wonderful job with nectar supply. Um, Liatris or gay feather is a native and um, that's just starting to really develop bud up I haven't seen any color show on them yet but it's a great kind of middle summer bloomer Um, so do look for those bee balm and of course the sage family Russian sage uh, our meadow sage or salvias are just awesome out there and and really really great for the pollinators and of, of course you can't go wrong with the butterfly bush so again butterfly bushes slowly but surely coming out they had a really rough winter um, but they're looking great and and really starting to develop and especially for later season nectar and pollen they're a great one out there too so just keep those on your list keep them in mind for later blooming and and gorgeous color in the garden and of course they'll be attracting those pollinators to your garden as well we're going to take a short pause here and we'll get right back to your phone calls Back to Gardening with Angelo on News Radio WTAM 1100. Once again, Angelo Petiti. Hi, everyone. This is Noelle and for Angelo this morning. You can contact us at 216-578-1100 or 216-578-1111, and we'll get right to the phone calls. Good morning. You're on the air. Noelle? Yes. Uh, I just wanted to ask a couple of questions. Uh, 
Angelo says to cut back the uh, baskets when they look tired. Does that go for geraniums also? Yes, that can go for geraniums. Do you have um, the the trailing geraniums or do you just have standard zonals? Standard. Yeah, standard zonals. You know, I'll have to say with all of your hanging baskets, um, it's nice to give them a haircut, you know, about once a month usually. And just to trim them up, get them to rebranch, get them to grow again, of course. And if you haven't fertilized it's a good time to do that too. Um, with zonal geraniums, you know how they produce their stems and then you have the cluster of flowers on top. And the flowers usually will open at the same time, but sometimes you get some later blooms or what have you. Once that whole cluster is finished, it's a good thing to remove the entire cluster plus the stem that comes out um, just underneath that cluster, okay? And okay. if you can do that as often as possible, that's always going to help that plant produce more, you know, push energy back into the center and then, of course, move it back out again so the plant branches a little bit better and and blooms a little bit better so with geraniums you know again cutback is always good don't get me wrong but they they bloom a little bit differently than some of the you know petunias and verbenas and and, and things out there so whenever you can get um deadheading geraniums it's always going to help okay and we've had a wedding gown and a, a endless summer yesterday at Strongsville. Can they be planted in full sun or partial shade is better? I'm sorry, I missed, I heard endless summer, but I didn't hear oh, the first the one. Gown. Oh, wedding, wedding gown. gown. Hydrangea. Okay. Uh -huh. um, so, hydrangea. <laughs> okay. So, wedding gown and endless summer are a macrophylla hydrangea. And typically, when you when you read and research about macrophylla hydrangeas, they do need sun to bloom, okay? But ideally, you're looking at an eastern exposure, morning sun, evening shade, or anywhere between the four to six hour mark of direct sunlight. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. You could put them in full sun, which we consider six hours or more. However, your watering maintenance might increase on those plants. Okay. Okay. So um, it's it's kind of buyer beware. The best place for them is really that part shade spot. But they can tolerate full sun, and they'll bloom well in full sun, but you will have to increase your watering maintenance. Okay. Okay. And then my granddaughter and her husband bought this house. It has this humongous rhododendron in front. It's like 12 feet tall. Oh, boy. And it it's very wide, takes up a lot of room. They want to know if they can trim it back or transplant it. What would you suggest? Okay. Um, obviously, a very mature, you know, very tall specimen. It is a good time to prune them now because you want to prune rhododendrons and azaleas, you know, right after they get done blooming. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they can prune it. However, it's hard sometimes because rhododendrons, as they get more mature, those branches start to really reach out as far as they can go to get light. And so the inside of the plant is not going to have a lot of foliage. It's going to be really woody. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, at this time, uh, it's hard to say. You, you can prune them, but what you want to do is you want to prune 
into an area where there's still foliage growth because you know it's an active growing spot okay Mm -hmm. Uh sometimes with rhododendrons that are that large you have to prune them down to almost basal foliage that that is formed down at the the bottom of the plant okay um so it's it's hard to to tell um and boy is it hard to describe on the radio but um normally if you can prune down and you can prune some of those branches back to where there is green growth coming then you'll be fine okay Okay. Um, and now's the time to do it. Now, now is not the time to move them, however. Okay. So um, you can move the rhododendrons usually in the fall, and we're talking mid to late fall when you want to dig and move them. Okay. okay. So you could cut it back now. Cut and it back now. It in the fall. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. How much sun does it need? Uh, rhododendrons are just like the hydrangeas. They do really well kind of an eastern expo- exposure. They can take a northern exposure with some protection over the winter. Um, they don't like to be in hot um, evening sun, late day sun. Okay? okay. So really that four to six hour mark is okay. Um, they can even take less than that. Okay. Do they have roots that uh, impact other plants? Uh, when they get that mature, they definitely can form some very large root systems that are very far-reaching. Um, so they do have a fibrous root system, but they can develop big surface roots as well. Okay. All okay. right. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling this morning. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. How are you? Just great. And happy summer. Oh, thanks. You too. Question, Noel, follows along with your first uh, caller. It happens to be geraniums that are in a pot. I okay. have two of the two sets, mm-hmm. and I've been fertilizing them. But the last month or so, um, I've been getting yellow leaves and uh, dry leaves and brown leaves on them. And um, I suspect it might be uh, a calcium deficiency. Uh, they're in the sun most of the morning. I've had them other varieties of dreams over the years in the same location, and they've thrived. But what do you suggest to mitigate the uh, experience that I'm having? Sure. Um, do you feel like they are getting uh, really wet with the rainfall? Uh, yes. I yeah, do. I think that's that's what popped into my mind the first time you said yellow browning leaves um, on geraniums when they get too wet, they really can yellow out very quickly. Um, fertilizing is is going to help um, green things up again. However, if they're just staying wet, that sometimes can cause some rotting, some mildew, that type of damage. Okay, um, so if we can get them in a spot where they can, you know, dry out a little bit better, I think that's going to help you in the long run. Okay. okay. Um, Calcium, not so much. We don't see too many problems with with that deficiency. Um, Iron, yes. Um, So sometimes when you get real yellowing leaves and you you know you see yellow in the veins, um, that can be more chlorosis. So that's more of an iron deficiency. So iron tone, those types of products help with that. Um, But normally, um, I would say yellowing, browning. That that's my first guess is that it's going to be more of how wet the soil is okay 
and I was thinking also to uh, try to, um, what can I say, open up the um, the potting soil a little bit, you know, put a screwdriver in there and kind of let some air get in there. Oh, sure, aerate around it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, that'll help. Okay, well, you have a great day, and thank you for your comment. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Thanks for calling this morning. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good morning, you're on the air. Hello? Hello? Hi there. Hi. How are you? Just fine. Go ahead with your question. Okay. First, I have a few questions. First of all, uh, last year I bought um, some daisies, and they came up this year, and they're very healthy looking, but they're not blooming. Is it too early for them to bloom? Uh, Are you speaking of Shasta daisies? Yes. Oh, sure. Um, Many different varieties bloom at different times. I am starting to see uh, quite a bit of flowering out there. Um, So are they budding up? Have you seen any buds on them at all? I haven't seen any buds. Hmm. Um, I, it's... Kind of unusual, I will have to say, because they're usually one of our earlier bloomers out there. Um, but it just might take a matter of time. Maybe they, you know, slowed down because of our winter um, and cool spring, and they just haven't quite developed yet. Do you have them planted in full sun? Yes. Okay. Um, I think just a little bit of time. And you fertilized? Yes. Okay. So you've done everything right. I just think matter of a time and, and just let them mature a little bit more and let's see what happens. Okay. Okay. Also, I have some uh, dwarf Alberta spruce trees, and I just planted them last year. They're they're growing nicely, but they're also they've got new growth, and it looks like they're getting too big around. Actually, they're growing more on the sides. Okay. Uh, can you trim those? Yes, absolutely. And and now is a great time to shear your evergreens. So if you want to, you know, trim them up, make them, you know, a little bit skinnier, um, not a problem whatsoever. Okay, good. Okay. Also, I have a bleeding heart. Um, it's on the um, the west side of the house. Uh-huh. And when I planted it there, there was a maple tree, but we've taken it out. Now it's, it gets the full afternoon sun. Oh, yeah. And it is, it's really, really huge. It's almost like a, a big bush. I would like to, what can I do with it to, uh, to cut it down the size? Sure. So uh, Bleeding Heart, um, you, as you know, good shade plant, great, great plant. With too much sun, it can really yellow. It can really die back very quickly um, if it's too hot. And um, so the best time to move them actually is um, right after they're finished blooming or normally we'll do the opposite season that it blooms. So it, early fall is a really good time to move that. Okay. Okay. There, there's nothing I can. It's really, it really looks healthy. I mean, it, it, does, it seems like the sun's not bothering it that much. That's good. But it's so huge. Yeah. And it's taking up a lot of space. I assume it dies back, correct? Yes, it does. Yeah. So it's just, it's a larger plant. You can divide it. Okay. You can do that in early fall. And um, if you want to separate it and you know make it smaller that way, you can do that. But early fall would be the time. Okay. Okay. Now, I have one more question. Uh, okay, I'm going to have to put you on hold for one second, okay? Uh-huh. And we're going to stop for a uh, commercial, and then I'll get you right back, okay? Okay. Okay, thanks. Hold on one second. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. 
Back to Gardening with Angelo on News Radio WTAM 1100. Once again, Angelo Petiti. Hi, everyone. This is Noelle and Frangelo, and we've got a caller on hold here. And let me make sure I get this. Hi there. Hi. Thanks for holding. Sure. So, um, your last. Uh-oh. Did, oh. Did yeah, I? Mine is- oh, okay. I was sorry. I thought I hit the wrong button. <laughs> no, we're good. Okay. Uh, my last question. My husband seems to think that Epsom salts are good to put on plants. Is this true? Yes. Um, Eps- it's so funny. We were just talking about this at work. Um, Epsom salts have a lot of magnesium, and I cannot remember the other micronutrient, and that was what I was talking about is I couldn't remember what it was. But they they contain micronutrients that plant material do use and um, that you don't find in a lot of um, fertilizers. Fertilizers usually cover the what we call the macronutrient part um, of their nutrition. So um, Epsom salts can help. Um, and I think there's sulfur in there too, which is a natural acidifier, but plants use that as well. So um, yeah, they can. They can um, help. I know a lot of folks use Epsom salts around roses. Um, what and about I, tomato plants? Tomato plants, yes, absolutely. So um, yeah, I think um, all in, you know, just not going too crazy with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, a little bit can help. And, and um, again, it's been, they've been used for a long time in gardening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling day. today. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Nicole. It's Noel. Noel. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. Go ahead. Uh, I have some uh, northern privet hedges. They're probably about 45, 50 years old. Okay. And uh, I've trimmed them, lowered them several times, but I can't remember what time of the year I did it. Right now they're about 5 foot tall, and I'd like to lower them another 10 to 12 inches. When is the best time of the year to do that? Well, privet um, really are, are one of those plants that you can do it anytime you really need to. However, I like to do that uh, normally during a dormant period. So usually I'll say late winter, um, early spring is going to be the best time to really take some good wood out of them. But since you're only going, you know, 12 inches, like a foot, you can do that really anytime on the privet. Okay. Yeah. And how about the uh, width? They're about three foot wide. Is there any chance of... uh bringing that in oh absolutely absolutely um same thing that plant is just easy to shear um you know really take care of i know that they have uh bloomed i've seen uh my neighbors probably they've probably been blooming for about two weeks now and um so again really anytime anytime with the privet um if you need to do a good shearing uh not a problem and i'd say you know again taking off a foot but um, is not a problem at this time. When you're really pruning hard and you want to, you know, if, if you were going to take half of the height off of that plant, I'd say dormant period is usually the best time just so you don't have to deal with any insects or any kind of disease that might develop from those pruning cuts. Um, but other than that, you'll be fine. Okay. Also on a unimus plant, uh, does that have to be trimmed? Oh, 
Oh, well, um, you have a burning bush, or do you have one of the variegated types, the it's lower? Variegated uh-huh. Okay, so unuonymous, um, they can really creep and crawl if you aren't used to them and if you don't watch them, okay? And if your whole object is to keep that plant nice and mounded, then I would. I would prune them, okay? And again, euonymus, you, you really don't have to worry about what time of year it is. It, it, they're, they're pretty easy to prune, too. Um, if you're pruning, again, very hard, we, we always like to say the dormant time. So, you know, late winter, early spring. But if you're trimming just to keep them in a nice shape, you can really do that anytime. All right, then my final question is on a Cleveland Select pair. Yes. Several years ago, it had the fire blight. Oh, sure. And uh, Angelo said to trim it back, and I did have it trimmed back real hard. Okay. And now it is very dense, and it has to be at least 25 foot tall and 20 foot wide. Okay. But it keeps dropping yellow leaves. Is there a reason for that? Well, I, it's hard to say. With a yellow leaf drop, and is it just occasional you don't have yellow spots? No. It's- okay. Just occasional, you see the yellow leaf and you're getting a little bit of dropping, but it's not like it's thinning out, correct? No. Okay. It might have to do with a little bit of, you know, if it's real dense like that, um, of course, you're not getting a lot of air circulation inside. Um, you know, and we've had this kind of humid, wet season. It's just been so odd um, that I think y- you might be experiencing a little bit of a, a, you know, a disease issue, not fire blight by any means, but a little bit of a disease issue where you're just not getting air circulation in there. Um, and then you have a little bit of leaf drop, but I, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think it's fire blight because that would be blackened leaves. Yes, exactly. And the tree does have fruit on it right now. Oh, great. uh, It's a very nice tree. The only thing that my objection to it, it keeps holding its leaves too long. Yes, you are right. December raking leaves. Absolutely, you're right. The pear trees do have that that issue. You are correct. Um, But yeah, a a beautiful tree, great bloomer. Um, You know, I I really enjoy them here. I know that they are becoming an invasive species a little bit further south. Um, But but yeah, I think they do a nice job for us up here. And this one is very round and to enjoy its beauty, you have to be quite a distance away from it to look at it. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Good. All right, Nicole. Thank you for the information. You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi. I have several questions. Sure. Uh, I have a house plan. I guess it's called Ontarium. Oh, Anthurium. Uh Uh-huh. Like the flamingo flower? Yes. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. And it's been getting around the leaf yellow and spots, brown spots. What's wrong with it? Ooh. um, So on the edge of the leaf is yellowing. Yeah. Okay. And then where are the brown spots? All over? Other leaves are solid green. Okay. So yellow edges, brown spots underneath. Um, no, no, no. On, on other, O-T-H-E-R, other leaves. Oh, okay, okay. Um, now, where do you keep it in the house? Uh, by a window facing north, so okay. it gets light. Mm-hmm. North window, good, good. And um, how do you water it? 
when it's dry. Okay. Um, so we're, we're, you know, obviously probably not overwatering, and that's okay. And anthurium can take a little bit of drought. They like even moisture. Um, do you fertilize at all? Yes, I use Osmocode. Okay, you use Osmocode on it, and you've already applied it this season? Yes. Okay. So um, yellowing on the margins of leaves um, sometimes has to do with humidity in the air, okay? And it's usually a lack of humidity. So sometimes you'll get a yellow margin around the outside, Um to the point where it might dry a little bit. So I'm wondering if, um, you know, you have, uh, if you spray mist it or if you can place other plants around it or if there are other plants around it to kind of keep the humidity up around the anthurium, okay? Um, Because I think that'll help with your yellow. Uh, And then brown spots on the leaves, um, hard to say. If you're not misting, and in northern exposure, you don't get, you know, direct sunlight. So lots of times we'll see, like, water droplet burns. Um, but I don't think that's your case no. here. No. So now we have to think about, okay, what could make um, brown spots on those leaves? And it could be anything from a disease to, like, a, a you know, houseplant insect that um, might be sucking on those areas. So what, those are the weird. things you have to look for. What's weird mm-hmm. is, like, only one leaf has, like, ten brown spots on it. Okay. The other ones don't. Okay, that's good. Can you remove that leaf? That's what I've been doing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's good. And are you getting new leaf growth after you oh. remove it? Yes. Okay. So in this case, um, of course, it's always good to remove the problematic areas. Um, If you can, if you get a a time, if if you can send us a picture, um, that's always great. If you can bring the leaf sample into a Petiti store, we would be happy to take a look at it and see if we can figure out something else that's happening there. I'm just not sure if it's a if it is might be a disease issue or if it might be an insect issue. I don't think it's an insect. Okay. I looked. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Sure, sure. I do is look for insects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's never been outside. It's always in the house. My other question is: Is it okay to transfer roses or other plants now? Oh, transplant. Mm-hmm. If you have to, um, you can do it, okay? The only reason is we try to avoid transplanting in midsummer uh, because yeah. it's a lot more maintenance on your part, right? And it yeah. stresses the plant out. That's so, what I yeah. That's what I my neighbor. It's, I'm just doing it for a neighbor. Sure, but sure. My other question is this. Uh, between the patio and the sidewalk, I have two squares that are maybe two by three, four feet squares, and I had these evergreen spiral bushes, and one died. The other one is okay, but do you have any suggestions what else I could put there? Because it's surrounded by cement. Okay. Uh huh. And so do you want something evergreen in that area? Do you need, like, the privacy? Do you need the windbreak? No, okay. no, no. It's just, you know, even a plant, but mm-hmm. something that wouldn't get 
so big that would be over the sidewalk where right walk sure and um do you want flowering yes and it's in full sun yes okay um and depends how tall just two foot no. three foot yeah, no bigger than four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like some of the new, and I'm I'm going to sound like Angelo. I really like some of the new, smaller panicle hydrangeas, for something like that, like little lime. Okay. Mm-hmm. I also like the spireas. The flowering spireas are absolutely gorgeous. Foliage color, right. flowering yeah, wise. I have a whole edge of those. Oh, see, you more. like those. Yeah, see? So that's good. We're on the same we're on the same track here. And then some of those smaller butterfly bushes are really really nice too. Oh, they're smaller ones. What what are those called? Mm-hmm. So we have smaller varieties. Uh one of them that we grow is called Buzz, B U Z Z. Mhm. All different colors. And mm-hmm. then we also have um some varieties like um oh gosh, I just lost it. Um, 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 oh golly, I'm going to have to think about that. (laughs) I I just lost the name. Um, sorry, it was right at the tip of my tongue, but there are more dwarf varieties available out there. Does the tag say dwarf on them? They should. And your indication is going to be the growth habit is going to be right under the three foot mark. Okay. Okay. So, um, I'm sorry. So there was a new one this year. It's called Pugster, P-U-G-S-T-E-R, Pugster. Mm -hmm. And those varieties are nice and short. Um, Golly, and there's one more family that I am just not getting today. Okay. What do you think of meal organite for fertilizer? Because I used it and all my plants are doing better than... All the other fertilizers I've been using. I'm so glad you're you're asking about it. Milorganite is a really neat fertilizer. It is what they call a natural all-purpose fertilizer. It is a granular, um, and it will really help uh, things green up in the garden. Um, and it and it's it's got this great um, repellency for critters too so yes yes so the deer the bunnies tend to stay away from milorganite as well um so it's a good product it's a nice product to use especially um greener wise okay sit all year round yes you can Mm -hmm. yep you sure can do you sell a mountain laurel in your shop yes we do sell mountain laurel how tall do they get do you know oh gosh well uh, mountain laurel, we have some smaller varieties like elf, for example, and they're going to be around that three by three, four by four height. Mm-hmm. They can get larger as they get more mature, though. Okay, okay. so if you let them go, they're going to get bigger. Mine is dying. Is there any way I can take cuttings and try to to uh, make another plant? Sure, propagate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the mountain laurels, they're they are not the easiest, but you can actually layer them. So if you have lower branches. No, they're too tall. Too tall. Okay. So um, cuttings, mm, I would have to say you're going to want to take, you know, cuttings as soon as possible. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. when they're actively growing, you want at least six inches. Okay. 
Yeah. You're going to remove like the bottom couple inches of foliage. Mm-hmm. You're going to dip it in a rooting hormone. Yeah. Okay. And then you're going to put it in, let's say, a six inch wide pot with moist potting soil. And you're going to want to keep that in a shady location and keep it moist. Do I use the the new stem or the hardwood stem? Well, that's why you want six inches of newer growth. Okay. Okay. Right. So you okay. don't want anything that's real woody. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. You've been very helpful. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi, good morning. How are you? Just fine. Good. Um, About two months ago, I planted two cherry trees. They're about two to three feet tall. One was like, I think, called a starlight, and one was a Rainier. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And they both leafed out. uh, And then about three weeks ago, I noticed the starlight doing real well. The leaves are perky and green. And the Rainier, the leaves were drooping, but they were still green. And now then, most recently, they've started to turn yellow with spots. Mm. Okay. Um, do you see anything on that plant other than the spots? Um, such as? Such as insects. Um, I didn't look really, really close, but okay. I did look, and I didn't see anything really obvious. Yeah. So yellowing spots, mm, probably more disease, okay? And that's where we bring, like, the copper fungicides into play here. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. You fertilized? Um, yeah, I did. Okay. Okay. First planted. first planted. And now yeah. we're getting to summer here, right? So it's a good time to feed them again. Okay. Okay. So, and I would, I would just, I would spray a copper fungicide or you can use, there's a lot of fruit tree sprays out there right. that, um, again, are mostly horticultural oils, um, neem oil. Those types of things can also help, um, you know, with the disease. It's just, we've got to find a day where you can, you know, you can spray it. It's good to spray on an overcast day, but of course, no rain. Yeah. Right. So um, that's that's really I think you you might running into some disease issues. And again, all the humidity and and rainfall we've had, that's that's going to be a little bit rough on on the cherries. OK, I'm glad to hear your other variety is doing well, though. Yeah, it did really well. Um, I also planted uh, some pawpaw trees. Oh, OK. And they. um they they didn't leaf out until just very recently. I'm noticing a couple of of green leaves at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, 18 inches tall, but the the very tops have nothing at all. Okay, um, pawpaws, I believe, are grafted. Okay? okay, so I don't know if you have if you're seeing the grafted growth at the base that's coming out. Did you plant them last year or this year? Yeah, I planted them this year, and they were basically bare root. Okay. And it was just this year, like the same time, about two months ago. Okay. And are you you feel like that's suckering growth? That's that's green, and the the top well, branches aren't, actually, or just the bottom I, half. I think just the bottom. I, I could tell on one of them that the leaf was actually on the little trunk at the bottom, above the ground. Okay. Uh, and, and above any, if they were grafted, I don't think they were. Okay. But if they were, it would have been above the graft. Hmm. Well, I think just the best thing you can do is, you know, maintain as best you can. 
And yeah. and bear root, you know, bear root takes a a while to get acclimated. So um, again, it's kind of that matter of wait and see. Just just mm-hmm. keep on caring for them the best you can right now. Will do. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. I'll You're- try that out on the cherry tree. Okay. So- Sounds good. Okay. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Noel. Hi. Uh, I'd like to say hi to my neighbors, Jim and Mary. Oh, great. And uh, I got a question about when to trim a Cleveland pear and a red bud. Okay. So we want to trim, actually, uh, both of them. You can trim either before they bloom during dormant season or wait until after they bloom to enjoy the blooms and then go ahead and trim. Okay, so now's a good time then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and our hydrangeas this year, it seemed they, most of them are real sticky, you okay. know, um, and we went ahead and trimmed all those sticks off. Was that okay? Yes, absolutely. You don't want to leave any of that dead wood on there because um, it's not doing anything for you or the plant. Um, but we had a lot of dieback. Um, from this winter so um, you might not see a lot of buds develop until later okay Okay, a lot of green some of them are blooming good starting to get little leaves on them good good we did leave yeah so a lot of green growth this season um, healthy looking plants but you might not see those buds develop until later okay okay thank you sure okay thanks for calling have a great day you too bye-bye bye good morning you're on the air um, hi. hi. I have a question. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I have a question about Northern Bayberry. Okay. I bought some in late May, and I think, and they looked fine. I think I overwatered them. Mm-hmm. So what should I do now? Should I dig it up and let it dry out or just hope for the best? Should I fertilize it? I use the biotome and the, you know, the uh, planting mix that you sell. Sure. So what should I do? Can okay. I save some? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bayberry, you're right. They like to be in well-drained soil. They like to be on the drier side. Um, do you have it planted in full sun? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've got it. If we've got it in a shadier spot, even yeah. more so. You know. So um, so we've really got to let that that plant dry. Um, of course, the rainfall is not helping you. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. um, and and that's okay. Uh, fertilizing right now wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, you can use the holly tone and the iron tone at okay. this time. And, um, you know, that'll help you green up a little bit. I think just drier conditions, you'll see a difference. Okay, so in that plant back and just fertilize. Yeah, and okay. it's it you know it's a really hardy plant. It's a great grower, but you know what? It's super abuse tolerant, and sometimes the more we care for it, the worse yeah. it gets. So um, you know, it just it, yeah, I think it probably just needs to dry out. Okay. 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 All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks Bye. for calling. Bye. Bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi. Uh, yeah. uh, 
hyacinths that were very overcrowded. I uh, just wondered what to do and when. Sure. <laughs> the foliage is down now and yellowing and turning yellowish brown. Thank you for bringing it up, and I forgot to mention it um, at the beginning of the show. But if you have bulbs, spring-blooming bulbs, where the foliage has, you know, started to die back, it's yellowing, it doesn't look nice, you know what? Go ahead, and you can cut everything back. You can dig and divide, um, and you can transplant at this time. Uh-huh. So it really, you know, if you want to definitely separate those guys, get them moving yeah. in other places, you can do that now. Not a problem whatsoever. Great. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, you're welcome. And just don't forget your bulb tone or bone meal um, when you're planting. And so when you go ahead and transplant, apply that fertilizer to them too, cover them up, and they'll be ready to go for you. Okay. Thank you. Noel. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks for calling today. Uh-huh. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, folks, that's um, the end of our hour, and um, I really thank you for all your calls and questions. We had some great ones today. Um, just remember, again, plant for the pollinators out there. Really get them to come into your, your yards, and um, just be aware of, again, with humid conditions, wet conditions, you might see a little bit more disease, a little bit more spotting or yellowing on your plants, but um, once we get going into the dry part of the season, I think you'll see a big turnaround in your plant material okay and get out there and pull some weeds too so enjoy the rest of your day and um, Angelo should be back next week have a great day bye-bye